right, amen. You can go ahead and grab a seat. Well, good morning. It's great to see everybody here today. I hope you've had a good week so far and a good weekend. And uh, today, before we jump into our message, wanted to share just some exciting things that God is doing here at our Westerville campus. So last Sunday was our largest attended Sunday outside of Easter and Christmas Eve in the history of our Westerville campus. We had 568 people here last week between our three services. And man, it's just encouraging to see how God is bringing more and more people to our, uh, to our church, to our campus. And this past week, um, you know, on Sunday, we kicked off our life group term. Uh, we spent all last Sunday talking about life groups, talking about community. And we had two over 230 adults connected in one of our in one of our life groups this past week, um, experiencing community, um, taking that 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 next step. So we're just man so encouraged by what God is doing here at our Westerville campus. And in two weeks, uh, we're going to be kicking off our Now Playing teaching series. And for those of you who are new, Now Playing is a series where we'll take over a, a course of four weeks uh, some different movies that have been popular over the last couple years. Uh, we'll play the, the trailer to the movie, and then we kind of take the, the story of the, the movie and pull out some, some truths and connect them with scripture. It's just a fun series. We'll have a popcorn in the lobby, free candy, soda, which I know you refer to as pop, but down in the South, we call it soda. Uh, we're going to have that in the lobby available, and it's just a really great series. Kind of the heart behind it is it's a great series to invite people to. Whether it's a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, when you tell them, hey, uh, come to church, we're going to watch some movie trailers, we got free popcorn, free candy, free soda. Uh, man, it's just an easy invite. So I want you even right now to begin to think about who God is going to lead you to invite over the next couple of weeks for our Now Playing series. So we've been in the middle of a teaching series called Broken Mirrors, and uh, during this series, we're looking at different heroes of the faith from Hebrews chapter 11. And although these were heroes of the faith, people that we look up to and admire, uh, they were all flawed. They all made mistakes. They were all, all broken people. And we've seen that broken people can still reflect a perfect God, that God specializes in using broken, uh, messed up people. And each week, we're taking these different characters and their stories, and we're connecting them to one of our core values here at LifePoint. And uh, we've got five core values, and we have a little acronym that, that we use to, to help us remember them. It's called GRASP. Uh, but for just a, a moment, we're going to temporarily change that acronym to GRAPS uh, because we're swapping the order of our, our last two messages. And uh, today, we're going to be taking a look at our core value of personal ministry. And uh, here at LifePoint, we like to say that personal ministry means that we are servants. And we believe that every single person plays an important role in God's story of redemption, that God has wired us to make a meaningful investment in our community, where we use our gifts and our talents and our resources to make a difference, to make an impact. And today, we're going to see an example of personal ministry from one of these heroes of the faith. So in Hebrews chapter 11, there's several of these characters referenced here, but it says this. The author writes, and what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. 
So today, we're going to look at what I would say is probably the, the most famous story from the Bible, one that in the, the culture is talked about and referenced, and that is the story of David and Goliath. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to go ahead and open up to 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to view this story through the lens of our core value of personal ministry through this idea that God has called each and every one of us to serve. And as we walk through this story, we're going to pull out a few different takeaways around this idea of serving and making a difference. So let me kind of set the stage for, for the story because we're kind of jumping into the, to the middle of the, the book of 1 Samuel. In the beginning of the book, uh, we see the Israelites kind of reject God's leadership. God had been leading their, their nation, and they said, God, we're really not interested in you leading us anymore. We want you to give us a king, an earthly king, because that's what all of the nations around them had. When they looked at all the neighboring nations, they saw that they were being led by a physical earthly king, and that's what they wanted. And before God answered their, their request, God gave them a warning. He said, listen, Man, there are going to be some potential consequences if you go this, this route. There's going to be some, some dangers. There's some implications involved with this. It's not going to play out well for you. But of course, like we do so often in, in life, they rejected God's warning. They rejected his advice, and they demanded that God give them a king just like all the other nations. So God chose this man named Saul to be the first king of Israel. And just like what we saw with, with Samson a couple weeks ago, Saul was a man who was full of potential. He had talent, he had ability. Like when you would think of, okay, a king, a leader, this is the kind of guy that you would picture. But after becoming king, Saul repeatedly disobeyed the Lord. And unlike Samson, Saul never came to a place in his life where he humbled himself and submitted himself to the Lord. So God ends up rejecting Saul as, as king and decides to, to raise up a new leader, a new king to lead the nation of Israel. And he sent the, the priest of, of Israel, a man named Samuel, to this young boy named David to anoint him as the next king of Israel. Although David would have to wait until Saul died to officially take the throne. And that kind of leads us to, to where we're at in 1 Samuel 17. And here in this, this story, we see this rivalry that's uh, taking place between the Israelites and the Philistines. And all throughout the Old Testament, the Philistines were a constant threat to the Israelites. And here, they're, they're challenging them to this battle, to this, this duel. And they're uh, sending out their champion fighter, their champion warrior, a guy named Goliath. And uh, Goliath was a massive dude. Uh, he had the best armor, the best weapons that, that you could buy. And day after day, Goliath would come out here and he would shout and yell and challenge the Israelites to a duel, to a, to a battle. And in chapter 17, verse 8, it says this. Goliath, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. 
So day after day, Goliath would come out here and taunt the Israelites. He would challenge them, and they wanted nothing to do with him. Nobody was interested in going one-on-one with this guy. They were completely terrified of him. And this is where David steps onto the scene of the story. And if you're taking notes this morning, here's the first takeaway when it comes to this idea of personal ministry that God has called us to serve. It's this, is that our ministry is tied to the condition of our heart. It's tied to the condition of our heart. You know, in the, in the previous chapter, in chapter 16, we see Samuel um, arrive at the, the home of a man named Jesse. And God told him, hey, one of Jesse's sons is going to be the next king of, of Israel. And when, when Samuel got there, he saw the, the oldest son, the firstborn son, a man named, named Eliab. And he was convinced, okay, this is our guy. He was the oldest in the family. He was tall. He was good looking. Like he checked all the, the boxes that you would want in a king and a leader. He was convinced, okay, this is our, our next king. But listen to what the Lord said to Samuel. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, things that are external, but the Lord looks at the heart. So he tells Jesse, hey, it's not not your oldest. Jesse's like, all right, well, I've got some other sons. And he brings out six more of his sons, and he kind of parades them in front of of Samuel. It's like an episode of The Bachelorette, like bringing these studs out, and like, hey, take your pick, whichever one you want. And Samuel's looking at them, he's like, nope. None of these guys either. And Jesse's like, well, I've got one other son. I've got my, my youngest, David. But Jesse never considered that David would be the next king and leader. He was the, the youngest in the family. He was a, a shepherd. There was nothing special, nothing extraordinary about him. But this was who God had chosen to lead the nation of Israel. This is who God had chosen to be the next king. And now in, in chapter 17, we're, we're here at this battle, and, and David's three oldest brothers, they're here at this battle. They're here at the war. And what is David doing? David is back with his father, taking care of the sheep, doing what seemed to be insignificant, unimportant work, but God was preparing to use him in an extraordinary way. And not because of his talent not because of his ability, not because of anything external, but because of the condition of his heart, because of his character. You know, I think there's a a, a tendency to think that uh, effectiveness in ministry, effectiveness in in serving God is tied to our talent. It's tied to to, to our ability. We think, man, God's only going to use somebody who's got, man, a big outgoing personality where they're comfortable in front of a lot of people or someone who's great at teaching the Bible or someone who's really skilled at something. We assume that our ability to serve the Lord is a result of our gifting, of something external about us. But listen, our capacity to serve God, it's not tied to our talent. It's not tied to our ability. It's tied to the condition of our heart, to our character. And when God is looking for someone to use, when God is looking for someone to make a difference, he's not looking for the most impressive person or the most gifted person. He's not interested in our external attributes and qualities. He's looking for somebody who is humble 
and pure in heart. Someone who loves the Lord, someone who desires to serve God for the right reasons. He's concerned with our character, with the condition of our heart. And when God was looking for the next king of Israel, when he was looking for someone to to, to serve him and to lead his people, he chose David. Because David was a man after God's own heart. Listen, your, your ability to be used by God is not conditioned upon your, your external features or your talent or your ability or the things that other people may judge you by. When God's looking for someone to use, he's looking at your heart. Do you have a humble heart? Do you have a pure heart? Do you love the Lord? Do you desire to, to be used by the Lord? Our ability to serve the Lord is tied to the condition of our heart. The second takeaway that that we're going to see is this, is that serving is about taking ownership when we see a need. It's about taking ownership. So David is is asked by his father to take some food and supplies to to his brothers who are away at at, at war, who are here for, for this battle. And just think about this for a minute. David has been anointed the next king of Israel. He's going to become the most powerful man in the kingdom. And he's still being treated as the the errand boy. Like, hey, pick up the coffee order, grab some supplies, go take care of your brothers. But, But David willingly does it. And he comes with the food, he comes with the supplies, and he starts to talk with his brothers. And listen to what it says in verse 23. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And then David says this in verse 32. I love this. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and will fight him. You see, there was a need that nobody wanted to meet. Nobody was interested in fighting Goliath. Nobody wanted to take responsibility or ownership of the situation. But what did David do when he saw this need? He stepped up and he owned it. Even though nobody expected anything from him, even though it wasn't his problem, even though nobody asked him to do anything about it, he saw the need and his response was, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. You see, when it comes to to, to church, there are really two types of people. There are consumers and there are contributors. And when this consumer approaches the church, kind of the the question that they're, they're asking is, okay, what can this church do for me? How can this church meet my needs? How can they benefit me? You know, what what programs do they offer for my kids? And you know, what, what kind of groups do they offer for me that, that may fit my schedule? And do I get something out of the message? Do I get something out of the, the music? Do I enjoy the service? It's a very me-centered approach. It's all about the church meeting my needs. But a contributor asks, what can I do for this church? Man, how can I use my gifts to make a difference here? Is there a ministry that has a need? Is there a way that I can be a blessing to others? It's a you-centered approach. It's about meeting the needs of the church. And when a contributor, when they see a need in the church, 
Man, they don't just sit back and wait for somebody else to take care of it. They don't assume, hey, that's, that's somebody else's problem. That's somebody else's responsibility. Somebody else will deal with it. No, no, no. They step up and they take ownership of it. They say, I got it. I'll do that. I'll take care of it. And man, I, I have been so impressed, so blown away by the way our church serves and takes ownership. By the way, the, the, the members in our church ha, have jumped in, are using their, their talents and their resources uh, to, to, to make a difference uh, for, for Jesus here at our, at our campus. You know, just a couple weeks ago, it was uh, my like, first true experience of Ohio winter. It was Sunday morning. The wind chill was minus 13 degrees. I didn't even know it was you know, possible uh, for things to be that cold. And uh, we, we, I show up at church that morning, and there's snow. I mean, not a lot, but like the parking lot and the sidewalks are covered in snow. And our staff is, is working to try to get that cleared uh, before people start showing up. And we end up running out of, of salt. And, uh, you know, and also before moving here, I thought salt was just for seasoning your food. I didn't know you threw it on the ground, but I guess you do. Um, but we ran out of salt, and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? But one of the guys who serves on our parking team named Matt, Matt Biney, he sees this need, and without being asked, without being prompted, drives back to his house, grabs some salt, grabs a shovel, comes back to the church, and gets to work clearing out our, our parking lot and our driveways. So I've got a, a picture of him here. Uh, man, just being a... An absolute champ that day. It was so cold out there. <clears throat> but, but here's what I love. It would have been e really easy for Matt to say, I'm not on staff here. I'm not getting paid to be here. Let Mark and Dustin take care of it. Like, it's their job. But without anybody asking him, man, he said, That's, I'll take care of that. I see a need. I'm going to step up. I'm going to own that. I'm going to serve and make a difference. And I just love that heart. And I've seen that throughout our church. But here's what we're going to run into as a church in the coming months and years. And I know this just from, from, from seeing churches go through this progression. As churches get bigger and as they reach more people and as they grow in attendance, and that's clearly happening here at Westerville, we're growing there's a tendency during those seasons of growth for people in the church to become more consumeristic because it's kind of easy to just sit back and to blend into the crowd. Like when you're a church plant and you only have like 75 or 100 people, everybody there has to do something. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Once you have 500 people, 600 people, 700 people, you can sit back and blend into the crowd and just assume, you know what, somebody else is going to take care of the problem because there's more people here now. It's easy to just fly under the radar. But we have to actively fight against that drift that we can fall into. We have to fight against that mentality. And we have to make the conscious decision to continue to be contributors, to step up when we see a need. And David, he saw a need that no one else wanted to meet. And without being asked, without being prompted, he said, you know what, I'll, I'll do that. I'll take care of that. Serving is about taking ownership whenever we see a need. Our third takeaway is this, is that God has prepared and equipped us to serve him. So David, he signs up to, to take on Goliath. He takes ownership of the problem. He agrees to do uh, what no one else was willing to do. And of course, King Saul, he's a bit concerned about this. 
He's looking at David, this teenage guy. He's not that big. He doesn't have experience in war, and he's going up against this massive warrior. He's going up against Goliath. He's like, how how is this going to work? Are you sure you want to do this? But listen to what David says to him in verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. So Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Good luck, buddy. Go and take care of it. But listen, man, God had been preparing David for this very moment through his experience as a shepherd. And I'm sure there were times where David's out there all by himself taking care of these sheep and he's thinking, I'm, I'm wasting my time here. Man, I'm supposed to be the next king. I've got bigger things, more important things to be doing. I shouldn't be out here doing this. I'm wasting my time. I should be doing something more important, more significant. But little did David know that God was equipping him in those times to prepare him for greater service in the future. It was a season of preparation for future ministry, ministry service that he never imagined he would be stepping into. And what an important reminder for us today that God, he doesn't waste any of our experiences in life. And that that education that we pursue, the relationships that we develop, the jobs that we take, the, the hardships and trials that we walk through, God uses all of it to prepare us and to equip us to serve him. God's at work in all of it to develop us and grow us and mature us. And maybe right now you find yourself kind of like David did in this season of of preparation. You know, you're you're finishing up your your, your education and either high school or college or grad school and you're just, you're ready to be done. You don't want to be there anymore. You just want to hit fast forward over the next couple of years or a couple of semesters. You feel like what you're doing doesn't really matter. You feel like you're you're kind of stuck or, or maybe you're in a job that you're just not that excited about. You feel like it's kind of beneath you. You feel like you could be doing more. You feel like you could be making more of a difference, but you're, you're kind of stuck in this job or you're in the middle of a hard and challenging season. Maybe something with your health or your marriage or your, your, your children, and you feel like it has no purpose, and you're just frustrated right now. Man, you feel like your, your, your time is just being wasted. You're like, God, I could be doing more. I should be doing more. Why am I here? Man, God doesn't waste any of it. He's using that season. He's using those experiences to grow you, to mature you. He's preparing you to serve him in a greater way in the future. And here, here's what I love about how God works. Now, as you get further along in that journey, and as you kind of find yourself at the end of that season or the other side of that season, you're able to look back and to see how God was at work through all of it. 
like all these random experiences that you've had, these random dots in, dots in your life, God starts to draw a line and connect all of it. And to show you, hey, I've, I've been preparing you. I've been equipping you. I've been growing you. You have no idea what I'm setting you up for. You have no idea how I want to use you in the future, but you have to walk through this season of preparation so that you will be ready. God prepares us. He equips us to serve him. He uses the experiences in our life to grow us and mature us, and that's exactly what he was doing with David. Those hours and hours spent all by himself doing this insignificant, unimportant work, God was preparing him for this very moment, a moment that would change everything for his life. And then finally, number four, God is responsible for the fruitfulness of our ministry. So David begins to prepare himself to, to go to battle with Goliath. And Saul's like, all right, let, let, let's you know, set you up for success. Let's give you the, the best chance you have. Borrow my armor. Use my shield. You, use my sword. You need the, the, as much help as you can get. And David tries it on, and it doesn't fit him. It's too, too big. It's clunky. And David's like, forget this. I'm, I'm going to do what I'm comfortable with. I'm going to do what, 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 I, what I know, what God has used in the past. So he grabs his sling. And he finds these five stones, and he steps out and approaches Goliath. And Goliath can't believe it. I mean, he's looking at this kid, and he's thinking, this is who you're going to send against me? This is who's representing the, the, the people of God? But listen to what David says to him in verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves. No, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Verse 48, as the Philistine moves closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. I, I love what, what David says there. He says, the battle is the Lord. He will give you into my hands. It's not because I have the best armor. It's not because I have a sword. It's not because there's anything special about me. No, God is going to do this. David recognized that his responsibility in that moment was to faithfully serve the Lord, to step up, to take ownership, but the results were up to the Lord. If he was going to win, if the battle was going to be won, it was up to God. And listen, the, the same is true for our personal ministry. The same is true when, when we serve. We are called by God to faithfully serve him. 
to step up and take ownership when we see a need, to use our gifts and our talents and our resources to make a difference. But at the end of the day, the Lord is the one who determines the results of our efforts. He decides how fruitful our service or our ministry is. And there are seasons in life where when we're serving and when we're ministering, we see a lot of fruit. We see a lot of results. There's a direct connection between our effort and our results. Like you're serving in, in, in kids ministry or student ministry, and you're in a small group, and you're explaining a, a Bible study, and for the first time, you see the, the, the light bulb go off for them. This, this 10-year-old, this 12-year-old, they, they, they get it. They understand this truth about who God is and who God's created them to be. You see this light bulb moment for them. Or you sign up and you go on a mission trip. You go to Uganda or you go to Argentina and you're there and you're sharing your faith. You're telling people about Jesus. And in that conversation, they make a decision to trust in Jesus. You share the gospel, they respond. Or maybe you're, you're leading a, a life group and you're seeing God use you and you're seeing people in your group grow in their faith and take that next step and you get to be a part of that. Or you serve on the connections team and somebody walks in for the first time and you greet them, you smile at them, and you see immediately how they feel welcomed. You put in the effort and you see immediate results. Man, but there's also times where you're serving and you don't see a whole lot of fruit from your ministry. And it feels like what you're doing, it doesn't really matter like it's not making much of a, a, a difference. And you, you start to question, man, should I even be doing this? Does it even matter? Why am I still doing this? But listen, faithfulness to the Lord, it's not about the results. It's not about the fruit. It's about obedience. It's about stepping up when we see a need, taking ownership, and then trusting the Lord with the results, trusting the Lord with the fruit of our ministry, our responsibility, what God has called us to is, is serve, to give him our yes, to, to be obedient. But he's the one who determines the fruitfulness of our ministry. He's the one responsible for the results. You know, I think there's this, this kind of common misconception in, in, in church world that, that ministry Ministry is for the pastors. Ministry is for the, the church staff. Ministry is for the, the professional Christians. But listen, God has called each and every one of us to a personal ministry. He's called us to, to leverage our time and our talent and our resources to make a difference, to step up and take ownership when we see a need. And so here's the, the, the question I just want to leave you with today. Man, where is God calling you to serve? Where is he calling you to, to, to make a difference? And many of you, you you've already answered that question. You, you're, you're serving, you're being faithful with some of you. Man, this, this is the time for you to take that next step. And listen, we would love at, here at LifePoint to, to help you take that next step, to help you figure out what it looks like for you to leverage your gifts and your talents and your time in the context of the local church. And look, there's, there's a lot of great ways to serve out in the community, and those are important, and we should continue to, to do those. But at the end of the day, the local church is God's plan A for changing the world, for expanding his kingdom. And there is no better place for you to leverage your talent and your time and your resources than in the context of the local church. And we'd love to help you take that next step. 
And maybe for you, it's serving and, 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 and family ministry, working with, with our kids or our students and investing in the next generation. Maybe God has gifted you technically and, and you'd be a great member of our production team. Maybe God has gifted you musically. Uh, you play an instrument or you sing. Maybe you're, you're more artsy. We've got a photography team that captures images for, for social media. We've got a writing team at LifePoint that helps write curriculum. We have mission trip opportunities. We have local serving opportunities. There are so many ways for you to be onboarded, for you to use your gifts. Where is God calling you to serve? And if today you feel like, man, I, I, I need to take that next step. I need to take some ownership. Man, I need to be a contributor. At the end of our service, we're going to have a couple members from our staff, Dustin and, and, and Mark, out at Guest Central, and they'd love to have a conversation with you about what it looks like for you to use your gifts, for you to have a personal ministry here at LifePoint. So the heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you that you, you choose to use us. God, that you have wired us with different abilities and passions and, and skills. And you've called us to, to use those not for ourselves or building a platform for ourselves, God, but to use them for to serve you, to serve others, to serve your church. And God, thank you for, for the way that, that our church, our community, community of believers serves you so faithfully. So many who have said yes, who have jumped in and taken ownership when they see a need. And God, we pray that even as we grow, as we reach more people, God, that you would continue to give us that, that heart of service, that heart of being a contributor, of, of being an owner, saying, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll step up. I'll meet that need. God, we're so excited about the days and weeks to come. God, what you're doing here at LifePoint, and we just thank you for the privilege of being a part of it. So Jesus, we love you, and we pray all of this in your name. Amen.